You're listening to Pastors, Preachers, People in the Pew. I'm Kenny Garrett. I'm Jason Johnson. I'm James Bowen. I'm Jim Hartman. And today we're going to talk about uh, what a week we've had, I think. Oh, yeah. Jason, give us that testimony you were just telling us. So, Sunday evening um, at church, I had the privilege of standing up front during the music, during worship, and my five-year-old little girl came up, and she wanted me to hold her, and she worshiped right alongside of me, right in my arms. She was singing her little heart out. She had her hands lifted at times for five, ten minutes in a row, which is a lot for an adult. Your arms start getting tired, let alone for a five-year-old. And it was real evident to me that she was searching for God in that moment. And after the last two songs played, the music came down softly, and Pastor opened up the altar for anybody that wanted to come forward and pray. And I asked her if she wanted to go forward and pray, and she said, Yes, Daddy, I want you to pray for me. So I took her up to the altar, and I knelt down with her, and we knelt down on our knees, and I grabbed my wife. She came with us. And I just started to pray for her for a minute, and I asked her, I said, Cammy, would you like to invite Jesus into your heart? And she said, Yes, Daddy. And so I had the privilege of leading my five-year-old little girl to the Lord on Sunday evening. Praise the Lord. Amen. Yeah. It was one of the most impactful moments that I've had for a long time seeing her like that. And and it was as I held her in my arms and she sang her heart out, I began to get an understanding of how God feels when we worship Him. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, not, yeah. not that she was worshiping me, but how much joy it brought me in that moment to have her right there worshiping and seeking the Lord, I started to, it just, it was just a revelation for me, like how amazing I feel, man, this must be how God feels when his children come to worship him. Or what, so what's your next step with her? I was thinking probably just getting her ordained Shipping her to Africa. <laughs> um, well, man, I, I I read the word to her. Well, it's children's Bible stories, but we do that, you know. Um, my three-year-old and five-year-old are right in the middle of learning the books of the New Testament when all this happened. So, you know, we we teach them Scripture and stuff, and I want to get her baptized when she's ready. You know, I, I feel like that's the logical next step. That's, that's what our mind I, says. I want to jump on. Okay. But I'm not sure that I want to go there until I know that she knows what it means. Okay. Well, I had, um, it's wonderful news. Obviously, uh, in that testimony, we weren't exactly sure what we were going to talk about tonight. But uh, once I heard that... Um, I thought back to, you know, uh, Sister Nancy Glenn. Mm-hmm. I don't think if she was here, she wouldn't mind me telling this, so I'll tell it. She was saved at her kitchen table. I think she was eight, but I, I could have the age wrong. Eight, nine, ten, and uh, her, her and her mother were. She, and she, this is the way she told me. Were reading through the old uh, Sears or Pennies Christmas catalogs they used to send out. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about what Nancy wanted for Christmas. And Nancy said she wanted to know Jesus. And uh, Nancy's mom prays with her there at the kitchen table. Nancy said. And then when she told me that, I said, I'm I'm sure that Larry and Donna were glad that you changed your wicked, wicked ways at that point. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Because how bad could Nancy have been? Ever. Right. Exactly. (laughs) So... You know, I kind of chuckle, but that's where the Bible talks about God saving people that are near um, and people who are far. Mm-hmm. 
you know, much like myself or really all of us sitting around this table, we were far from God when we were saved. But he's also capable of those saving those that are near. And I believe at any age. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that they're that it's. I think that it's different. Uh, once you reach the point uh, mentally where you can handle right and wrong and and uh, an idea of the gospel uh, that you can be saved. So the age of accountability is interesting to talk about, but I don't think it's a binding thing uh, from the scripture that I read. Some people never reach the age of accountability. That's true. Yeah. Uh, you know, due to various mental handicaps that are out there. Um, so now she's five, five years old. Five years old. What? So how do you how do you cross that bridge when it's time to baptize them? Well, wait. Before you get there, I'll ask Brother Jim because you said Carl was saved pretty yeah, when young. He's about six years old. Yes. So, and what happened next? Well, it was. Uh, I think maybe he was. Uh, he was baptized right away, really. Uh, there was a group of kids wanting to be baptized. They baptized a bunch of kids together. But um, Carl, held, Carl held true to all this. Carl was just as just as faithful as he could be to the church and to folks around him and always kind to people. And, uh, you know, these are fruits, you right. know, God-given right. fruits, really. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the Lord said, Suffer little children to come unto me and forbid them not. That, that's scripture. Now, I know, and <clears throat> if I might say this, and I, you know, I, I have in, I've been in the ministry for 40 plus years. Now, I have seen people, and I have seen adults who, when they were young kids, the group got up and they just wanted to be a part of the group, and they went to the altar. But they never really got saved, you know. And I, I, you know, it's not for me to judge, but you can see, uh, just because the crowd went, mm-hmm. and they wanted to be a part of the crowd, and and I've seen that come forth from people as they've reached adulthood that just keep going on and on and on, but they've never really got anchored. But uh, you know, uh, Carl, I know for a fact that he really got the real thing. And then Carla, she was saved at a early age, and you know her testimony and her her work, and uh, I'm just uh, proud of now a couple uh, now have another son in there that uh, he's a great singer and all that, but for some reason in these past few years, he's backed off, and I don't understand that because I know what he had was genuine. I know that. So you said Carl was baptized pretty young? Yes, he was. About how old do you think? Probably about seven, eight years old. So is that, you're going to make Cammie wait till she's seven? I'm not going to make her wait any amount of time, per se. I just want her to understand it, if that makes sense. To, To a degree that her little mind could understand. I don't need her to, you know, she's five, right? Right. I'm not going to go sprinkle her. <laughs> not that we believe in sprinkling. Not that I, I, I believe in full immersion baptism, but I, I want her to know the reason she needs to get baptized. So, so what is baptism? It's an outward expression of an inward change. Okay. It is um, me saying that I am alive, and when I get dunked, that it signifies me the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, basically. I'm alive, I'm buried with Christ, and I resurrect into a new creation. Okay. Now, we know that uh, scripturally, baptism is the answer of a good conscience toward God. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, it's, it's something I think that's essential after you've been saved. I mean... Uh, now there's people that uh, have never been baptized, and and uh, I, I wouldn't count them out of going to heaven. In fact, uh, I had a man come to me, come to a church, when, come to the altar when I was pastoring in Miamisburg, and this man was on oxygen. He was dying and knew that he was dying, and he come. And if I, if I ever seen a man get saved, he did, 
and he wanted so to be baptized, but he couldn't mm-hmm. be. And uh, I assured him that everything is fine. So when he passed, I did his funeral, and uh, his brother was there, and a couple of brothers and was there, and he said, well, he didn't make it to heaven. I said, why didn't he? He said, because he wasn't baptized. And you see that we got to be careful and make sure that we make it clear what baptism really is, genuinely. Right. That, like you said, that she understands right. what baptism is. Now, you see, there's a bunch of kids who want to go get baptized because they want to play in the water. I mean, that's what it comes down to, you know. But uh, we have to make sure that they understand what baptism really is. Right. What are your thoughts? Oh, I've got some. I know. Mm-hmm. I want to hear I've them. been laying in the weeds with this. As soon as I heard that testimony, I thought, boy, i got something to say about this. Um, so baptism, all, everything that's said about baptism is correct. But baptism, when it shows uh, the repentance, you, you talked about it's a outward expression of an inward change. Mm-hmm. Who do we show that to? Everyone. Right. Everybody. Everybody that's yes. watching. So it's very much our public profession of right. Christianity. Right. So it is is us saying to the rest of the world that I'm a follower of Christ, uh, I'm a believer in Christ. It's why that it's not necessary for the person to make it into heaven because uh, God already knows way before Amen. Uh, the baptism occurs that this person saved. So it's not necessary uh, in that regard. But as you live your life... It's how your neighbor knows that you're now a follower of Christ because you can say, hey, I got baptized. Possibly they might have seen it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I also think that you're baptized into something. Mm -hmm. So you can't baptize yourself. You have to have other people. It demands um, that there be, I don't want to say observers, but since it's a public profession, it needs to be public. Right. You know, other people are involved. So you're baptized into the church. And we have seen, we've been, I'm, I'm sure each one of you have been in this situation before. When you start talking about somebody about salvation and getting saved, they say, well, you know, I'm a member of such and such church. I remember when I was, uh, I went to that little Presbyterian church faithfully. But, you know, that didn't. But it didn't mean a thing until I got saved. Right. And then, then you talk to people and say, yeah, well, I've been baptized. You know, just shrub it off like, well, I've been baptized. They never really knew what baptism was all about. That's right. That's right. Was, it, was you baptized in the Presbyterian church? I was sprinkled in the Presbyterian church. Uh, <laughs> mm, <laughs> then I, I was baptized right here in Fairborn out to the old Mad River by Rainbow Lake. Because <laughs> I've taken some... A little bit of flack in the past, because I myself will not participate in what I deem to be children baptism, and it's not. I don't get like upset. I don't, you know. Kim is your daughter. I have zero opinion on it. Um, I was going to ask you to do it. Well, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> it would be tough to say no, but. Uh, sticking with my principles, it's just something that I wouldn't do. And it's not because, like, I, I feel that it's necessarily even a bad thing to do. However, life could wind up to where it would be detrimental for a child. And, and it's a pretty dark place to, to go to. But if something happened to you, something happened to Laurie and every other Christian in your family, Right, all those people have to to go away somewhere. Cammy's left, and um, she's saved now. Uh, she's baptized. Twenty years go by, and somebody asks if she's a Christian. Even if at that point she's backslidden on the Lord, if she doesn't know any better, and there's nobody there to tell her any better, she might say, "I was baptized. I am a Christian." Right. So. Now, I understand there's a lot of ifs, and a lot of things have to happen in that. Right, which is, my brain kind of works that way, too. 
Which is partially what I mean when I say I want to know that she understands it. Right. Right. It's it's not just surface level knowledge of what it means. I want want her to grasp the severity of it. The uh, maybe that's not the right word, but you know what I mean. Like I want her to have an understanding of what it truly means to be baptized. I would also look into the church that's doing the baptism. We're not set up for it, but what I would want to see if I had a child and, uh, you know, was was looking into having uh, them baptized, can the is the church set up to have children, and I don't want to say members, but to kind of shepherd and guide those members. Right. Because we, we're we not here. Uh, if we baptized her here, we would have no infrastructure on on how to teach her. Right. Um, right. Hey, can I go back with you, too? I've told you fellas in the church, and about the age of five years old, right up till I was drafted in the military, I was very faithful to the little Presbyterian church. Mm-hmm. I, I got... Grew up there. Mom and Dad didn't take us to church. They didn't send us to church. We could go if we wanted to go. But here's my experience. Now, there's some things that must be taught before we get into the area of baptism. Right. Now, I'll say this, and honestly, and straight, straight from the shoulder, in that little Presbyterian church, I never, ever heard the term, you must be born again. Now, I went through, and I grew up in there, and when I became... 12 years of old, 12 years of age, okay, the pastor comes back with this little cup of water and a plate, and he sprinkles me on the head and baptizes me into the church. Well, that's just as false as anything could be. You're not baptized into the church. You must be born into the church. And you see, Jesus says, be not deceived. So I go on. The rest of my life thinking everything is just fine. I'm thinking everything is okay. But it really, it's not. And I go through my military service, and I come home, and I'm 28 years old, and the fellow invites me to go to church, and I keep putting him off and putting him off putting him off. And finally I go, and I get in there, and these people are praising the Lord. Well, we didn't see none of that. I thought, man, these people have lost it. <laughs> I'm serious. That's you know? what I used to think, too. But, but you see, that all comes from we must have good teaching and emphasize the importance of born again. Mm-hmm. And you must be born again before you're a candidate for baptism. Is that not true? Yeah. Right? So, but I never experienced that at all in that little Presbyterian church. And... Uh, what a sad, sad thing, me because when I start going to Free Will Baptist Church, man, I they get them hymnals over, start singing. Hey, I can sing them songs because I sung them all the time, you know. Right. But they didn't have no meaning to me. Right. Till the the day the Holy Spirit got a hold of my life mm-hmm. and showed me just what I really was. But I'm going through this stage, thinking everything is okay because I've been baptized into the church. Mm-hmm. And I'm good. Well, yeah, that that's kind of the idea where I'm. I'm so anti-child baptism because James was baptized a couple years ago. We did that yes. here. Yes, it was. And um, it was very easy for me to sit down with James and say, "Here's the deal: once you're baptized, it's not really a game changer, but this all this becomes your faith becomes public, and once you're baptized into this church, it becomes my business." Yeah. Not let, uh, you know, I don't uh, check up on James and keep a schedule of what he's doing and things of that nature. <laughs> but what he's going through, we're all included and vice versa um, by meanings of being yoked together up here mm-hmm. as a church. We're all in this together. And I don't know how you would do that with a kid. I, I don't either. And I just think that there needs to be some understanding of it, Right. Uh, just kind of like we said, like I have an, a cousin who's a few years older than me and I, I lived in a, the church parsonage there at way of the cross, um, eight, nine years ago. You remember that? Oh yeah. 
And he thought that every time I took a bath, I got baptized. Because <laughs> I lived right there on the church property. He said, so what, you just go get baptized and take a bath? I said, no, that's not how it works. Yeah. But that was his understanding, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I'm with you. I think that there needs to be an understanding for her. Um, and that's the path that I will take. You know, of course, I do agree and believe in the natural way of things. That is the next step. But we're talking about a five-year-old here. I believe that what happened to her Sunday evening was real. I believe it with all of me. But I also know that she still needs to understand her heart was there. But her brain hasn't caught up yet to what went on in her heart. Well, yeah, and I don't want anybody to get me confused. I believe that the Lord can save you at any age. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. 100%. Right. right. Um, so I'll t- I tell, tell you that. That's my stick-in-the-mud Baptist legalistic tendencies. Mm-hmm. Uh, because right now we're, we're as a church, uh, getting some people reaching out and talking about baptism. And I say, well, it's not just an act. This is what it means to us. You're part of the church, and you're part of the people of God here on Vine Street. And I'll take it back a couple years ago. I had some friends, and the mother asked me if I would baptize her son. Okay, and the son has uh, some mental handicap. Uh, He's mentally handicapped. Uh, There's some issues there. And... I was trying to be as nice as I could and as uh, diplomatic as I could, uh, kind of, you know, talking about that uh, our salvation depends on what we can understand. And the way I understand the Scripture and the way that I feel, um, he would, his salvation is not at issue. Um, There's, he doesn't need to be baptized to go to heaven. I think he's there, you know, uh, no matter what happens. And she agreed with me. She said, but I still like him baptized. I said, well, if you guys want to, I guess I could, but we really don't need to because I saw it from my legalistic view. Mm-hmm. Right. right. And uh, we kind of left it at that, and she didn't bring it up no more. And I really had forgot about it. And then I was invited. She was at another church. She had joined another church, and... Uh, was there, and then I was invited to his baptism there, and I went, and I watched it, and I was wrong. To to be completely blunt about it, I was completely and utterly wrong. I should have been very quick to do that, hmm. because it was meaningful to him. It was, um, it was absent all the legalistic stuff that I had attached to it, um, and yeah, I should have done that. So, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, I'm I'm glad that it happened. Like, you know, I um, have to remember that two years ago you were wrong. I was wrong. I was yeah. definitely wrong. Um, there was just a uh, there was a good spirit there. I mean, it, you know, the Lord was in it. Um, and the I will say though, the one thing that was different was that they're a part of that church that he was. Um, baptized in, so th- so a whole group of God's people was also rejoicing with her. Yeah, wow. it wasn't just like me and her and him down at the river type idea. Right, there was a group of God's right. people that was involved, and I think that makes a little bit of a difference too. Yeah, oh, yeah. for sure. But you see, there's so many things like uh, Kenny. You've heard me talk about this before. Uh, I don't know that I know James has, but whether he has, I know I know Jason probably had. But you see. Here I am, I'm uh, now 28 years old. I'm drowning in sin, okay? But yet, see, but all from that young age all the way up to 28, I believed that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. I believed that he was born of a Virgin Mary. I believed that he was crucified, okay? I believed that he was buried. I believed 
that he had risen again and sent it back. To, I believe that stuff. But see, it was only this head thing. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I was, uh, you know, that, that pastor that sprinkled me, led me to believe that I was just fine because I was baptized in the church and I'm just as, just as lost as any man can ever be. But he but, may have also believed that you were okay. What's that? That pastor may have believed you were okay. Yeah, but he knew. No, I don't know. I I can't. <laughs> I don't know if he believed that or not. Because let me tell you something. But anyway, see that's 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 the thing. Now, when I got saved, and it was time to be baptized, I walked out there to the Mad River. It was eighteen degrees. Woo! And I said to Shirley, because my experience is sprinkling, I said, "Well, you do. You go down to the bank and they dip your head under the water and you're baptized." Because really. That was my conception. Right. I had no idea that I was going to wait out there in that water, waist deep, at 18 degrees, and the man's going to put me under that water. I didn't understand. But, but we had to be clear and let people see that you must be born again. Mm-hmm. And if, you know, people say, well, you know, and I've talked to people who said that they're so miserable with their life and they're in sin and everything. And I tried to explain to them, you're a candidate for salvation. Oh, but I've been baptized. And they just get hung up there, and they think right. that they're okay. Mm-hmm. But they're really not. Right. Well, yeah, and we're hearing a lot of, bit, a lot of folks reaching out and wanting to get baptized as if it's like a step they need to take because times are getting bad. Right. I better. Right, it's like a check. I need to make sure I'm good. Right. right, and that's that's not what baptism is uh, by no form. And I'll, I'll back up to say when I was wrong, I was just kind of wrong. Fully wrong. I was just kind of That's good enough for me. Good enough. Kind of wrong. Um, but no, it was good. It was really good. I'm glad that, that it uh, took place the way it did. So do you have in your mind, because I absolutely don't, like, I... I am not opposed to kids baptized, depending on their level of understanding. I wouldn't put an age on it, me personally. I'd say 18. Really? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because I, I, I'm still legalistic enough where I see baptism as being they're born again, and now you're the conversation that I would have when I would baptize an adult is not one that I could have with a kid mm-hmm. right. and expect it to be binding. So that's, now that might change if I learned how to have that conversation with a kid sure. and their parents. Right. Um, you know, this is our plan. This is what we're going to do. This is what uh, we think the Scripture requires of the parents uh, and the child and the church. And this is how we're going to do it. If somebody had a plan for that, I'd probably go along with it. Exactly what you're talking about. I'm 12 years old. I'm sprinkled on the head. It's called baptism. And I'm led to believe that I'm in the church and I'm okay. And see, they never took time to explain to me what baptism was. Never read any. I mean, he walked down the aisle, did it in the aisle. And, you know, the next thing I know, I'm the altar boy. I go up and snuff out the candles. At the end of the service, every really serious. Well, yeah. And I think, man, I really, I really got it. I'm okay, but I'm not. Yeah. So the idea for me that you just baptize somebody, cross that off the list, and go on, just like what you're describing, I, I don't agree with that at all. So yeah, right? I don't agree with that, but I don't agree with 18 either, and probably. Part of the reason for that is because I've did a lot of ministry in youth groups, right? Okay. And I have seen they have the rock and roll there, and they have the rock and roll and the the great hair, all kinds of hair, (laughs) red hair, blue hair, just hair, (laughs) right? Um, Uh, They, uh, I've seen kids come up weeping at the altar, crying out for forgiveness give their life to Jesus, and then watch them in the weeks and months going forward. Watch their character begin to change and watch them begin to bear fruit 
and then want to be baptized? And the answer is, okay. Did you you baptize them? I have baptized a few teenagers, yes. I've baptized not that many people, probably only about 8,000 or so. No, I'm just kidding. I have have baptized quite a few people. Um, I've baptized a handful of teenagers, though, yes. So, but what you're describing, there's a infrastructure inside the church. Correct. To shepherd them and, and that they right. can grow into. And I'm okay with that. Right. Yeah, I, sure. I'm saying is that as I sit here now, our church's cutoff is 18. <laughs> My, maybe even 26. I don't know. <laughs> Just because we're not set up for the oversight of a, of a 15-year-old soul right mm-hmm. now. Right. right. Um, See, there was another experience now. Being, he sprinkled me on the head. I'm in the church, okay. Now, we had this older gentleman. He always, in the foyer, there was a rope, and he rang the church bell every Sunday morning. See? Now, I'm in the church. Now, I'm baptized in the church, and I'm okay. And one Sunday morning, I get there, and he's in the foyer, and he's just cussing that rope with everything he's in him because the rope was all messed up. But yet, he was supposed to be okay. So if he's okay, you know I got to be okay. Well, yeah, that comes down to huh? bad theology, though, in the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, Did, uh, didn't they send you a bill one time too? Yes, sir. Well, as soon as I graduated, <laughs> I graduated from high school. The day after my graduation, there was a letter addressed to me, and I opened it up, and it was a bill for my church ties, and I didn't even have a job. That's when I thought maybe I should be Presbyterian. Man, that's 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 pretty. Funny. Yeah, I'm serious. Wow. My mom looked at that and she said, "Jimmy, you're going to have to do something about this. You got to go out there and get you a job." <laughs> and the next one that got me was the United States Army. Yeah. The next letter I got was, "Greetings, you are hereby ordered for induction into the armed forces of the United States." Yeah. The president of the United States sends me a letter. The church sends me a letter for a bill. The president sends me a letter with a job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so here's a um, question for you. Okay. How do you feel about being baptized more than once? Uh, I've been baptized more than once. Me too. I don't think the first ones really take some time. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, I had... Here's here's my my... Thoughtful answer. If you have been baptized, possibly at a young age, uh, possibly at conversion as an adult, and you're backslidden, not just backslidden, but you are publicly backslidden. Right. So, so your sinfulness and sinful ways are known about the public. Right. Then I think it's it's. I would recommend to that person to to be baptized again. Yeah. Uh, because that's again, you're publicly stating, right. "I'm a follower of Christ." Right. Expect different things from me after this, um, and not because there's magic in the baptism, but I'm this serious about this. Yeah. This is my life now. Well, as you know, I come so, up yeah. through after I'm saved in the Free Will Baptist. I come up under a lot of these old timers, and they were absolutely dead set against a baptistry in the church. You have to be baptized in a river. And one man kept arguing with me about that, and I said, okay, now let me take you to the Scriptures. Here's an Ethiopian eunuch. He's in a chariot, and he's reading, and Philip is dispatched down there to talk to him, and helps him get the understanding, and the man gets saved. And he says, what doth hinder me from being baptized? And Philip says, if you believe, you may, you know how the story goes. And it just so happens right here in the desert there's a place to be baptized. Mm-hmm. And I said, look, if the Lord could, perform, per, uh, could prepare a place in a desert place for a man to be baptized and it was acceptable unto him there, it's acceptable in our baptistry. Yeah. yeah. Right? Amen. Yeah. Now, I never thought about that. Hmm? Yeah. Makes I've, sense. I mean, I've heard people just That argument was it. B.C. for me there. They sorted that out before I ever got saved. <laughs> right. Well, I tell you what, I, I don't want to keep running my mouth, but when I was pastoring in Kentucky, I baptized a young lady in a cattle's watering trough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen that. I've done that. I've done that. 
I've done that through Hope Over Heroin. Right. We had a Baptist tree at times. We had a water trough at times. I've baptized in a river. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've baptized in a Baptist tree, and I've also baptized in the ocean. Wow. I haven't got to the ocean yet. I've I, to- I did a... It was a such an honor. Um, husband and wife, they're both saved, already had been baptized, but I married them on the banks of the... Uh, it was a marriage on the beach, right? And uh, after they got married, they wanted me to baptize them together. Oh. And so it was pretty cool. Yeah. It was a, it was a pretty neat, pretty neat moment. Well, I, I've only uh, been in the baptistry, uh, to be honest about it. And um, we had the one down in Dayton. And come up here, there's baptistry already. But then I spotted something when we came to Fairborn in the baptistry. That not a lot of churches have, but there's a heater. Yeah. In this one, and I said, "Man, we're really living now." Yeah. Uh, and it's enough to knock the chill off the sure. water. Yeah. So yeah. Yes. So now here. let me ask you fellows a question. Okay, I was okay. about to ask a good one too. Didn't you have a very special blessing, a very special feeling? When you was baptized? Absolutely. Man, when I yeah. come out of that water and so that wind are blowing and it cold, man, I was in a pair of jeans and I went, I drove 50 miles to my mom's house till I was baptized. Mm-hmm. In those wet clothes. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, what, uh, let's talk about what you should wear. Do you remember what you wore, James? I do. I wore a white robe yeah. and then I wore shorts and a, and a shirt, just a regular t-shirt underneath. What? How do you guys feel about the white robe? <laughs> that's a bad idea. <laughs> do you? I mean, if that's all you got on, it's a bad idea. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. obviously. <laughs> yeah. Well, <okay. laughs> but now I like that. I'm old-fashioned like that. Yeah, I yeah, think that's a, I, I'm okay with it, too. But here we are going down the bank and about break your neck getting down to the water's edge and old mad river and, uh, you know... <laughs> Go slip and fall and get all muddy in the white robe. <laughs> right. No, really. I, I, I. But there is. There was such a special feeling about after being baptized, and man. But like I see, like I said, I never had any training in this stuff. I wasn't taught this stuff. You say you went to church all your life just about it, and you didn't hear none of this stuff. I didn't. Right. And I, I was serious when I asked Shirley. I said. We're going to go down there. They're going to bend me over, stick my head under the water, and I'm going to be baptized. And I looked out there, and there's that little preacher. Uh, not <laughs> you. He's just a little tiny skinny guy about like you. And he's out there in that water waiting for them to lead me out there. And there was Carlo Combs, myself, and Donald Keaton. We were all three baptized the same day. But, man, I could not believe it. But... People said, was that water cold? Yes, that water was cold. But there was such a warmth when I came out. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think I have a great idea. I want to make baptistry robes. And I They're want hard them, to get. I want them to be black until you get in the water, and then they turn white. <laughs> 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 so I go in with my... Mm. Sin black as coal, and I mm. come out white and pure. <laughs> I'm old fashioned. Like I like the robes. <laughs> now you be teaching a little false doctrine there, my friend. I know, I know. Um, all right, here's the controversial one. Okay. How do you baptize? In whose name? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Just what the Scripture instructs us to baptize in. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. But what about what Paul said? What I can. What about what Paul said? What did Paul say? Baptize them in the name of Jesus. Are you sure that wasn't Peter? It may have been Peter. I believe it was Peter. Okay. Well, you Be know baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sin. Mm-hmm. Not for the remission of sin. In that sense, that baptism would forgive you. Your sins could be forgiven. You're being baptized for the remission of sin because you have been saved. Mm-hmm. That's what Peter was talking That's about. That's good. That's good. I know I know a lot of people get caught up on that in different circles. Um I I I don't see why Jesus said baptize them in the name of the Father 
and the Son and the Holy Ghost, right? So that's a real easy one for me, but I do know that a lot of people um, will baptize in the name of Jesus, and they'll say, well, you know, I don't know. I don't necessarily know their argument, but I do know that there's an argument out there for both. Huh. Yeah, well, that comes into your Jesus-only teaching too, correct? Does that fall in that category? To my teaching? No, I say that uh, falls in the... <laughs> like a, I, I don't really know. Um, I just know that there is an argument. I figured Kenny would know more about it than he does. No. I, I, most of the time, when I've been involved in any baptisms, I just tell people what's going to happen, and they say, okay. You just tell them, I'm going to hold you down to the bubble stop. No, until you say, I will tithe. And then I let <laughs> yeah. you back up. Now, now, how did you tell people, James? Did you tell people you've been baptized? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm. I couldn't wait to to tell anybody about it. You know, the first thing I did was I, I put it on Facebook. You know, that's the modern day uh, gathering. You know, circle. Right. And uh, I told people at my work. You know, I was I, my kids were there. You know. Um, I was excited to explain and show that I love Jesus, you know, and that this is the road that is for all of us, you know, and it was a very emotional day, you know. Yes, it the, was. The road, the road that I took to get to where I was at, it was rocky. Now, had you, you know? been baptized before? I had not. That's what I thought. I had not. That was my first, uh, well, my baptism. Now, Jason, you know, he was, uh, he'd say, uh, you give me a $10 bill for each minute you want me to keep him under the water? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it, uh, and that's where a lot of fundamental churches have have lost the idea that that's what baptism is. It's a public profession. That's right. right. It's yeah. a public profession that I've accepted Jesus. Right, and, and the things are different. You'll be able to see a change in me is what you're saying to mm-hmm. the entire world. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we, we've had a pretty good baptism service. We normally have one a year. You'd love to have one every month, right. you know, because um, we got that heater. It's pretty sweet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> love but, to utilize that, huh? Yeah. Pretty, it's pretty sweet. Well, I could bring my teenagers up and you could let you give them a go. And uh, <laughs> you could. I would probably go along, but the whole time I'd be like, I don't know about this. I don't know about this. Um, but no, I think I think it's all you know in the youth group setting. Uh, Cami, as young as she is, you know, it's it's the parents have a lot of say in that. But as long as there's structure between the family and the church that they're involved in, mm-hmm. then I, I, it's not like I'm going to rush into these other churches and scream, stop, stop what you're doing. Well, you know, what do you think you're doing? But I, I am saying that you can't just baptize children and then walk away. Right, they need to see it, you know. They need yeah, discipling. They, they need... You're exactly right, James. They need to be discipled yeah. uh, just like adults do. Right. So... I've always felt that when a person gets saved, when they get saved, there has to be a plan to teach them, you know, where you're coming from. Teach them and instruct them and help them to grow in the Lord, to mature enough that where you you take it step by step by step. Mm-hmm. Okay, I keep forgetting about this. We got to keep Jim on the microphone <laughs> so everybody well, can hear him. He's straight step by step. But you know, we talk about teaching, and it's very important. Right. See, like me, I didn't know what they was talking about. I'm serious, man. I thought you just sprinkle a little water in your head, and that's bad. That that was a false doctrine. Mm-hmm. Let's just look at it like it is. I was misled, and for 28 years, well, from five years to 28. I was deceived and thinking that I was okay because of that. Where we as pastors and uh, church officials, when people come to the Lord, we need to right away have a teaching and counseling plan to help them grow and understand, what, and especially with teenagers. Now, Kenny, we had a good group of teenagers down in Dayton, and mm-hmm. all at once it fell apart. And uh, see this, I see there was, there was uh, Mark, 
and John and Charlie and Cody were all saved at the Free Will Baptist Youth Camp. But where are they at today? We've only got one that's holding on. Because I don't think they received the proper instruction. I know John and Charlie, their mama, but really to sit down in the church and be yeah, taught. Church, church didn't know what to do with them. I mean, uh, and I'm not saying that against them personally, but you bring in, um, you know, 25, 15, 16-year-olds with orange hair and purple hair, and I'm not, I'm just going to go home. Like, I don't know what to do with that. I'm going to ask them <laughs> for some of that hair. There, there's a, you know, there's a side door on this church, and I'll just exit, <laughs> get in my car and go home. Because, you know, the church doesn't know what to do. Um, and we still really don't. Well, it's like, you know, some of the experiences we we had in Dayton, when a fellow walked in with all them tattoos and everything else and shorts on, and people, they were they were frightened. You know? Yeah, we've come a long way, I think, though, uh, with our ideas about adults. And I just, you know, children are more difficult. I mean, you guys can say that raising children today is oh, yeah. is a now, tough thing. Now, you know, I know a lot of te- uh, the children are taught properly. Now, Kenny and I experienced a six-year-old taking us through the Bible. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. He took us right through it. He's sitting there preaching to us, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, 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 yeah, that was years ago. Uh, what was his name? Pascal? Was Isaac's little brother? Isaac's brother. Yeah, Isaac's to, little brother. So a lot of that has to get, you know, if you're not doing that at home, well, I don't know. I think the church can step up and do a pretty good job. I mean, doing it at home helps, but. I think if you went to Sunday school every Sunday as a kid in a Baptist church in the 80s, that's like having a Ph.D. in ministry. <laughs> I mean, it was pretty uh, pretty college-level stuff that they were discussing. And you went every Sunday. I mean, at least I did. Uh, they, you know, they took me every Sunday, and it would be three or four kids and— thankful for the work they did, you know, because yeah. I, I didn't realize at the time how much I was actually learning, but I know that that job, as hard as it was then, is even harder now. Like, I don't, I don't know what you do. Yeah. yeah. It, it, children's ministry today looks way different than it did when we grew up. Well, you're probably, you know more about it than I do. Well, yeah, I mean... I just they, know what it's not. I know that flannelgrams are not a thing anymore. Flannelgrams, that's what I couldn't remember the name. <laughs> flannelgrams, There's a whole bunch of them over the church, really. Yeah. Sound of bass, plenty of them. Because kids have so many outlets today... There we go. ...between Society. tablets and, and TV and video games and cell phones and just, you know, that they're not entertained... With flanograms. And worldly right. competition. Yeah. For more than two or three minutes. Like, oh, check that out. Okay, that was cool. Um, yeah. On to the next thing. And so children's ministry and youth ministry absolutely has to look different. And to keep their focus, you have to be willing to learn what they like and learn, you know, not necessarily conform but you need to be able to talk their language, right? right. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, so it is It is different. It is difficult. It is challenging. But th- that's why one of the best things that I think a lot of churches have is young people teaching the young people, right? You really? get somebody, a 22-, 23-year-old person on fire for the Lord, to teach the 14 through 18-year-olds because they're not that much difference in age. They understand all the things that they understand, but yet they're solid enough. Now they're on fire, and it gives them accountability as well, you know, and and um, I think that that is good if you have the right person there. How much technology is involved today? Depends on the church. Some not a lot. Others a whole lot, you know. Uh, one thing you see is, 
I can't tell you when the last time I I seen a teenager take their Bible to church. They just take their phone and the Bible's on it. Right. And I mean I just carry my Bible for sure. Do you? <laughs> Absolutely. And and I mean that it is what it is. There's there's no problem with that. Um, except for you don't truly learn your Bible, right? Uh, I, I'm saying like where to open where it, to find yeah. stuff is and all that and like there are verses, not as much today, but at one point, First John five fourteen. In my Bible that I had ten years ago, I did not know the address, but I knew where it was on the page. Hmm. Okay, right. So I I had read that verse so many times that I knew that if I turned. And it was in First John somewhere, and it was down in the bottom right-hand corner. There was a verse highlighted in blue, and I needed that verse. And so sometimes I could just go to that verse, and this is confidence that we have in, in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, then he hears us, right? And so I feel like by only using technology, you kind of lose some of that you also, you know? Yeah, absolutely you do. I, we have Lady Dorothy Rogers and her... Bible, she's been carrying it for decades and decades and reading it. It is well-worn. And one day I was kidding with her. I said, I, I really should swap you. Bible, I mean, mine looks brand new. It's always going to look brand new. Mm-hmm. I only open it on Sunday mornings. I read mine. I, I don't. I mean, I read the Bible, obviously. <laughs> right. But it's all <laughs> from the computer, from a tablet, that sort of thing. On that thought, we'll come to a close next week. Uh, we'll be talking about UFOs and lights in the sky, um, giants in the Bible, dinosaurs, dragons. Um, what else? Bigfoot. Oh. Yeah, I'll talk about Bigfoot. We'll come. We'll come ready for that discussion next week. In the meantime, we thank you for listening. If you need anything from us, we're up here on Vine Street, one fifty-five in Fairborn. You can find us on the web at fairborngbc.org or find us on social media. Just reach out and let us know. That's what we're here to do. We'll see you next time.